For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kristen Widener, and I'm the children's pastor here at New Life. And this is a really special weekend for me because this is the first time that I get to speak over a weekend service here at New Life. And I'm really excited to share with all of you what God has laid on my heart today. Before we get started with the message, I think it would probably be helpful if I told all of you just a little bit about myself so that you could get to know me better. So this is your 90-second overview of the last 32 years of my life. So <laughs> I come from a really large Italian family where I am the youngest of five girls. Yes, picture this. Growing up in my house, it was my dad and six Italian women. So God bless my dad. I have been married to my husband, Jake, for 10 years. And if you have kids in the galaxy and they've gone home and they've talked about this guy that dresses up in shark costumes or inflatable horse costumes or like Darth Vader and makes your kids do ridiculous things from can for candy, that's my husband. And his entire goal in the New Life Kids Ministry is to make sure that your kids laugh and have a really fun time at church. So I'm really thankful for him. He's a really great partner in life and in ministry. We have two kids. We have a son named Jackson who is three, and we have a daughter named Shiloh who is 18 months old. I was an elementary school teacher for several years, and for the last six years, I've run the children's ministry here at New Life for Children, fifth grade and under. I just recently passed that baton over to Lori Nelson. Lori now runs that ministry. I oversee Lori, but I am pouring much of my time into New Life Preschool that launches in just three weeks. So today, we are beginning the final phase of our summer series called One Thing Remains. We kicked off the summer with the book of Jonah, followed by the book of Ruth, and today we are going to start to take a deeper look at the big three, faith, hope, and love. And I get to share about faith. When I started thinking about people in the Bible who had a lot of faith, the first person that came to my mind was David, and then Noah. And then a lesser-known person came to mind who I really believe God wants me to share with all of you today who had a lot of faith, and her name is Hannah. Now, Hannah is the fourth woman that we see in the Bible who struggled with infertility. The first three were Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel that you can read about in the book of Genesis. But the story of Hannah is recounted in 1 Samuel chapter 1, where we see the desire of Hannah's heart how she remained faithful to her word, and how God blessed her through her faithfulness. We're also going to see how Hannah dealt with grief, how she struggled so much to understand God's plan for her life, and how she never doubted that God was going to fulfill his promise to her. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for that we are all here gathered together to dig into your word and to hear from your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for the life of Hannah. I thank you for her faithfulness and the example that she has given us to never lose sight of you. I pray, God, that whatever we are going through today, that Hannah's story resonates with each of us, that we can put our faith in you no matter what is going on in our lives. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks through me, that your words are my words. I thank you for the testimony you have given me that I get to share with everyone today. And I pray that it is a blessing to everyone as, as well as just gives everyone a little bit of hope. I thank you so much for this time we have together. In your name we pray, amen. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we are introduced to Hannah's husband Elkanah. Elkanah had another wife named Peninnah. 
Peninnah had many children while Hannah remained barren. If you brought your Bible or have the Bible app, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. It will also be up here on the screen for you to follow along. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? So it's clear that some serious tension existed between these women. Hannah had feelings of jealousy towards Peninnah because Peninnah could have children, and Peninnah seems bitter that Elkanah truly loved and cared for Hannah. To make matters worse, Peninnah constantly humiliated Hannah for not being able to bear children. This was really adding salt to the wound because in biblical times, when a woman couldn't bear a child, she was shamed and was thought as though she was being punished for her sins. See, Hannah's heart's desire was to have a son and to raise him to know God and to love God and to serve God. But Peninnah's constant taunting left Hannah in a place where she was just crying uncontrollably to the point that she couldn't even eat. We can see that Hannah is starting to lose a lot of faith here. She's feeling depressed. She's feeling defeated. And it feels like her weight is never going to end. Then something really cool happens. So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19 through 18, it says this. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman. For I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. And then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. <laughs> Imagine this. You are so distraught that someone calls you out for being drunk. That is a whole new level of low. And in Hannah's suffering, she cried out to God. She literally cried out to God. She was angry. She was hurt. She didn't understand his plan. And so she cried out to God. She begged him for a child. And she said that she was going to give that child right back to God if he would answer her prayer. Hannah had a lot of respect for Eli as the priest. And she really trusted that his words were from God. Hannah did another noteworthy thing here. She left 
and she was no longer sad. She had peace. Her faith was restored. Hannah trusted God without doubt or concern. Hannah trusted God without doubt or concern. She believed what she prayed for was, would come to pass, and God was faithful, and he blessed her with a son named Samuel. This leads me to the one point that our message is all about today, and if you're with us for the first time today, this is called our take-home point, and the take-home point is the one thing we want you to take home throughout the week and, and live out, and today's point is this. God is faithful to keep his promises. I connect with Hannah's story because God taught Jake and me the same thing when we needed a miracle from him for our two greatest blessings, our children, Jackson and Shiloh. You may want to grab Kleenexes for this part. <laughs> Jake and I got married shortly after I graduated college in June of 2012. I'm a really big planner, so I had this 10-year plan, right? So I was going to teach for two years, and then we would start our family. I was going to have four children, and each child was going to be born exactly two years apart. And now that I have two kids, that was a really crazy plan. <laughs> yep. I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, and I was going to drive a minivan if I could convince my husband to buy one. This sounded like a really great plan to me. I felt comfortable with this plan. You know, children are a blessing from the Lord, so I felt like God was happy with this plan. Until that plan started to unravel very quickly. So I taught for two years, and then we started trying to have a baby. After several months, there was still no baby. Nearly a year went by, and my gut instinct told me that something was wrong, and I so desperately wanted answers as to why I couldn't have children, and so we went to the doctor. And after several tests, we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which basically means no one could tell us why I couldn't get pregnant. And this cycle of disappointment went on and on for five very long years. And during this season, I began to really doubt that God had my best interest in mind. In fact, I struggled to trust him at all. We were asking for something good, something that was pleasing to him. We were called to be fruitful and multiply. Why wasn't he blessing us with children? And during that season, we went through several different treatments and procedures, and I had a pretty big surgery, and nothing worked. And after our last treatment, Jake looked at me, and he said something I didn't really like, but I knew that I needed to hear. He said, we needed to stop trying to plan this on our own, and that God would bless us with children if that was his plan. See, I was heartbroken for many reasons, but I think the biggest reason was that I felt like a failure. I had given it my all, and I came up empty. Shortly after, I felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit that it was time to look into adoption. We really didn't know much about the process, but we did know a lot of people, specifically here at New Life, who adopted, and so we started to pick their brains. We learned about international adoption and infant domestic adoption and foster care and foster to adopt. And then we went to orientations at all of these different places to see what God was calling us to do. The road ahead seemed extremely daunting because if you've ever called any of these agencies, they oftentimes will give you the worst case scenarios. And those worst case scenarios can be really scary. But we knew that God would remain faithful. God is faithful. And so we made a vow that we would remain faithful too. And we believed that in the end, God would bless us with a child. 
So we chose a nationwide infant adoption, domestic infant adoption agency that advertised a one to nine month wait time to have a baby. And we really believed that this was the plan. So we started the process in August of 2017. And over the next few months, we, <laughs> that was crazy, <laughs> we went through several different interviews with different people. We had so many people come and inspect our home. We filled out mountains of paperwork. We had to sit through 12 parenting classes and come to know of it, hey, they don't really teach you how to be a parent. <laughs> we had to film hours of footage for a really cheesy family profile video that they would send to potential birth mothers. Five months into the process, we were officially a waiting family and we were ready to be matched with a birth family. We thought we would have a baby in one to nine months. Nearly a year went by and we still weren't matched with a birth family. Our discouragement was back in full force and we had to have the really difficult conversation of what if God doesn't want us to have kids? What if his plan is something else? Could I choose to trust him with that plan even though it was the one thing I wanted more than anything else in this life? On January 19th, or sorry, this is an important date and I said the wrong date. January 29th, 2019, the New Life staff went to the Ignite Conference at the Allison Park Church. And this conference marked the end to New Life's 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this was a time where people gathered together for a time of prayer and worship and fasting. And at this point in our adoption journey, Jake and I were about ready to walk away. We felt like we were waiting for something that was just never going to happen, and we really couldn't hear God clearly. So during the worship time, I was praying, and I was wrestling with God, and I said, why? Why would you place this desire on my heart to have children if you weren't going to bless us with them? Why would you have me work so hard and spend so many hours and years investing my time in something if you weren't going to bless us? Did you just forget about us? And in that moment, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit and God said, I'm going to give you children, but you need to let me handle it. At the end of the conference, Pastor Brad, who is our former worship pastor here at New Life, he now leads the Father's Heart Church in Colorado, he came up to me and he said, the Holy Spirit told me something that you need to hear. And so he wrote it on a piece of paper and I was super emotional that day, so I waited until I got to the car to read it. And when I got to the car, I opened it. And it said, he has not forgotten. On February 27th, 2019, nearly a month later, we got a call from the adoption agency. And they said, congratulations, you've been matched with a birth family and your son will be born in July. We started chatting with her, with, with her and one by one our prayers were being answered. But they were being answered in God's way, not ours, and it was so much better than we thought. At the end of the call, I asked, what date did the birth mother choose us? And she said, it was January 29th. The same day that God told me he was going to bless us with children. The same day that Pastor Brad handed me that note saying God had not forgotten about you. Shortly after, Jake and I started communicating with Jackson's birth mom, and it was immediately clear she was a gift from God. She started sharing things with us that just blew our minds. She was doing everything she could to deliver a healthy baby boy for us. She was reading to Jackson every single night. Her family was praying over him daily. 
A couple months later, Jake and I actually went to meet her and her family, and I asked her a question. I said, why? Why are you giving Jackson up for adoption? And I will never forget the words that she said. She said that the moment I found out I was pregnant, I knew that this child wasn't meant for me to raise. God told me that this child was supposed to go to a couple who couldn't have children. And so I set out to find you. See, God fulfilled his promise just like he did with Hannah and just like he is going to do for you. See, my prayer eight years ago was not to adopt a child. My prayer eight years ago was for God to allow me to get pregnant. I was limiting God to what he could do. And when Jake and I changed our prayer to allow God to do his plan in our life, miracles started happening. <laughs> and it was incredible to see God's plan unfold in our lives. So we left off in 1 Samuel chapter 1 when Hannah was overjoyed that Eli told her she was going to give birth to a son. Over the next few verses, Hannah gave birth to Samuel and she was determined to keep her promise to God. After Samuel was weaned, Elkanah and Hannah went on their annual trip to the tabernacle in Shiloh. Hannah brought Samuel up to Eli and said this, Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life, and they worship the Lord there. For years, Hannah prayed and waited for a child. And when God answered her prayer, she left Samuel with Eli in the tabernacle to serve God. Now, Samuel was likely around the age of three when all of this happened, and as I was writing this message, I was really trying to put myself in Hannah's shoes, which it was really pretty easy for me to do, but this one hit home. I have a three-year-old son. I couldn't imagine doing what Hannah did. It had to be incredibly heart-wrenching for Hannah to give God what mattered most to her, but she didn't run away. She didn't waver. She didn't say, hey, God, this is too difficult. I'm not doing it. Hannah demonstrated her faith through her obedience. She had faith that God would fulfill his promise to her, and she remained obedient to her word. Hannah and Elkanah then dedicated Samuel to the Lord in Shiloh. They placed Samuel in God's loving care. Samuel was clearly a man chosen by God. As he grew up in the tabernacle, he grew in wisdom, and he became one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. He was obedient to God, and he served him all of his life. We're going to go in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18 through 21, and we're going to see how God continued to bless Hannah through her faithfulness. It says this, But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. And the Lord blessed Hannah. And she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. I want to challenge each of you right now to think of one area in your life that you are having a hard time giving God control, that you're having a hard time having faith that he is going to fulfill his promise to you. Now, I'm going to give you five things that we can learn from Hannah to help us navigate this. 
These are five things that we can all apply to any circumstance, any situation we are going through. And here they are. Number one, Hannah took her problems to God in prayer. She was angry. She was hurt. She didn't know why God wasn't answering her prayer, but she continued to pray without ceasing. Number two, in Hannah's brokenness, she trusted that God was fighting for her. See, God is a good, loving father. He loves his children. He is fighting for you. We don't need to understand God to understand him, his faith, or to have faith in him. God is there. He's wanting you to go to him. Number three, Hannah believed God would fulfill his promise to her. I oftentimes listen to Pastor Craig Rochelle preach. He's the pastor at Life Church. And he says this. He says, when it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it is God's time, you can't stop it. See, Hannah continued to pray. She continued to seek God. She couldn't force it whenever it wasn't God's time. But when it was God's time, she couldn't stop him. Number four, Hannah was obedient and faithful to her word. And number five, God blessed Hannah abundantly because of her unwavering faith. God blessed her with five more children, and Samuel continued to do great things for God. On July 15, 2019, Jackson was born. I got to be in the delivery room, and I got to hold him as soon as he arrived. Shortly after, his birth mother signed over rights, and we said our final goodbyes. And after she left, Jake and I just held Jackson, and we literally cried like those ugly tears that you cry, you know, whenever like something really big happens. We were just sobbing for about 10 minutes. And in that moment, we were blown away by what God did. We doubted God. We didn't believe that God had our best interest in mind. But God knew all along what he was doing. And when I looked at Jackson, the first thought that came to my mind was, thanks for not answering my prayer, God. If he would have answered my prayer the way that I wanted him to, I wouldn't have had Jackson. He wouldn't be the blessing that he is in our lives and in the lives of so many people. God wasn't quite done with our story just yet. When Jackson was about 18 months old, we heard of a little girl named Shiloh who would likely be placed in the foster care system shortly after delivery. We began to pray that God's hand of protection would be on this little girl and that God would open doors if we were meant to be her adoptive parents. We were really willing to walk through the mess of the foster care system if God wanted us to be her parents. And we, were, we, were, we said, you know what, God? If you say stop, we'll stop. But God never said stop. And nearly a year Later, we were at the courthouse surrounded by our friends and family as Shiloh officially became a Widener. I have a picture to show all of you. All right. This is Jackson and Shiloh. And when I look at the lives of Jackson and Shiloh, I see two miracles. I see how God worked through my grief and my sorrow and my doubt to bring these two very beautiful children into our home. So often we set limits on what God can do in our lives. We don't pray bold enough prayers to get bold enough results. And I don't know what it is that you are going through. But I want to encourage you right now to cry out to God. Literally cry out to God. He can handle it. He can handle the mess of your story. He can handle whatever it is you are going through. But cry 
out to him. Let him know that you want to hear from him. Let him know that you are waiting and you are listening. And listen, right? Be in that moment with God in solitude where you can hear him clearly. Give God the room to do miraculous things in your life. And if he doesn't answer a prayer the way that you want him to, have faith that he is going to do something better than you could ever imagine. God is still performing miracles today and have faith that his plans are better than yours. Let's take this lesson that God taught to Hannah and to me to heart in today's next step. I will put my faith in God even when I don't understand his plan this week. Today you got to hear Pastor Kristen's amazing testimony of God's faithfulness in her life. And I'm sure many of you watching have experienced times where there didn't seem to be a way, but God made a way. And he is so faithful and he will always be faithful because let's face it, time and time again, we have proven ourselves to be faithless. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the day. Let him prove to you in your life how faithful he is and how much he cares for you and loves you. Because let's face it, he came here and died for you. That's how much he loves you. He died for you so that one day you could spend an eternity in heaven. And here at New Life, we say that it is as simple as ABC. A, we admit that we're sinners and that we need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And C, we confess. We confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we commit to following Him by the power of the Holy Spirit every day. So right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. You can pray it with me or you can say it in your own words. The bottom line is you just, you have to give up ownership. You have to give it all up to Jesus and trust him with your life, with everything. So right now, pray this with me. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner. And God, I admit that there have been times when I have been faithless. But Lord, you are faithful. You are so faithful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, here to die on the cross for my sins, to take my place. God, he rose again on the third day, just as he said that he wouldn't, just as you promised in your scriptures. And Lord, I confess to everyone that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I commit to following him every day by the power of the Holy Spirit that is now in me because of you. And Lord, I will do my best to be faithful to others, showing the same faithfulness that you have and always will. Lord, I thank you for being such a kind and loving God. And it's in your son Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.